0: Hello everyone, welcome to Fan Fuel, a podcast where fans fuel talk about motorsports. Today we'll talk about NASCAR's best season ever marketing and we'll discuss how they can live up to or fall to that expectation they set for themselves. We're your hosts Alex Harrington and Nathan Ball and today we'll be joined by our first ever guest Colton Cranmore. Most of you might know him from Twitter, maybe you don't. So uh, I guess Colton, uh, give us a rundown on who exactly is Colton Cranmore.
1: Yeah, and thanks for having me on this podcast. It's really cool to be the the first guest on FanFuel here. Um, yeah, no, so no my name's Yeah, hell yeah. My name is Colton. Um, like you mentioned, a lot of me, you uh, might know me from Twitter. Uh, I am 24 years old. I currently live in Cheyenne, Wyoming. You're out in the boonies. Um, it's about an hour and a half north of Denver, for those of you who don't know where Wyoming is. Um, I currently work as a forklift operator for a company called Magpole. We make a lot of like gun parts and stuff, um, and I am really huge into just into basically anything racing.
0: Well, Wyoming is not somewhere that I guess I think about uh, when I think about racing. I usually think, you know, the southeast or maybe Europe. Uh, how does one from Wyoming get into racing?
1: Uh, well, racing is fairly big up here, and it I guess it used to be bigger. Um, back in the '90s, kind of when NASCAR had that first big push in popularity, um, we do huh. have a track here in Cheyenne, and then the track actually just about an hour south of me, right outside of Denver, um, is Colorado National Speedway. And the Truck Series actually even used to race there.
0: Okay, so you're not really that far from a NASCAR venue. That's that's pretty neat. I would have never thought about that. You know,
1: yeah, I think. Wyoming. I just think big nothing. Yeah, if you remember uh, in the ARCA series when Haley Deegan dumped uh, Derek Kraus. Yeah. was it Colorado National? That was just south of me.
2: Oh, cool. Was that the track I I I went from Denver to Gillette, you know, Wyoming about three years mm-hmm. ago, and that's when I was I passed a racetrack. I didn't know if that was the racetrack. I don't remember the name. So that was it, really,
1: right off I twenty five.
2: Yeah, that had to be the one then.
0: I know that you said uh, to us when we were kind of getting everything ready for the podcast that your dad uh, was was. Was a driver? Um, where did where did that come from, and uh, I guess how did that influence your love for the sport?
1: Uh, so dad was a racing fan his whole life. Um, Apple raced out at the local track here back, oh, shit, 50 years ago now. Um, and then dad got into it when he was in high school. He started racing mini stocks um, with just little V6 straight pipe cars. Um, from there, he kind of got, I don't know, he, he wasn't too competitive when he first started. Um, got better, got better. He actually won the track championship in 2000 when I was about you know, four years old. Um, he tried his hand at racing late models. Um, Actually, funny story, he blew up his mini stock motor one night, so he threw the late model engine in it and then blew up that motor the same night. <laughs> the late model career didn't last very long. Um, I do have one one funny story I'd like to share. You all know that stock cars have lead in them, right?
2: Mm-hmm. You have
1: to run yeah. ballast. It's got to keep the weights right. Well, rule is, it's kind of universal that when you put lead in your car, you write your car number on it. And that way, if the lead comes out, they know who it belongs to and who to penalize, right? My dad, mm-hmm. his entire career, never once wrote his number on his lead. He'd go in and he'd write a different guy's number on it every week. Oh, my God. So that way, if it fell out, someone else get penalized. And someone else did get penalized one time and it caused a huge deal in the pits. Oh, man talk about you know your lead fell out we it's got number seven I, oh, my lead didn't fall out I, it's got it all right here so whose lead is this
2: honestly i don't see the shame in that just from a racing standpoint because I, I mean everyone it's like a, if you're not cheating you're not trying that's the whole motto in racing so i honest i enjoy stories like that
0: well that's <laughs> i guess that's where some of your tenacity comes from colton but um yeah your dad your dad's Kind of a genius. If you're gonna cheat, yeah, make it look smart. like someone else doing doing that. That's some innovation. That
1: yeah, it, it was just always a great story that he, he's probably told me that a dozen times, and every time I kind of still think about it. Like man, you sob.
0: Hey, I mean innovation like that is is yeah. how how we saw the T Rex car dominate and how we've progressed uh, stuff like that. I mean I I remember when the Gen Four. I mean, excuse me, the Gen Six came out at. At first, we see uh, we see the guys slamming their hips or slamming the jack uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> into the cars to to flare out a little bit, just to get that little bit
2: more downforce. Like I remember a story of I think Daryl Waltrip on the Juniors podcast said something about for his he would run the cars lighter at short tracks, and what he would do is the roll bars he would hollow out some of the roll bars and the they pour like lead pellets into the roll bar and fill it up so that when it went through inspection it was it met the minimum weight and then the lever he'd pull a lever when he's on the track that would release all the lead pellets that were like they were small enough to where you wouldn't really notice them and the way that they hit it is that whenever the inspection guys would raise the car on jacks, the hole where the lead came out of on the track was right under where the pit crew would jack the car up. So they would never really be able to find where the lead pellets were coming out of until he spun one time. And I think he pulled the lever and the pellets flew out and they started, they coated the people on pit road and they figured it out.
0: Yeah, what your dad did was crazy, but it's also not surprising because if you're like, like Nathan said, if you're not you cheating, cheat, yeah. you're not trying. So I guess, uh, is he still doing racing right now or anything?
1: No, he is, well, he'll be back at it this year. He stopped after uh, 2001. He was diagnosed with MS in 2000. And so that kind of made it tough to get out to the track every week and, you know, with medicine. And, you know, he had three kids at that time too. Um, and he will be back this year just racing like a little hobby stock out at the track. Um, and then actually outside of um, sanctioned track, we all run like an underground go-kart league here. That's kind of how I got to know Nate um, was through go-kart racing. Oh, really? Um, yeah, we just run in parking lots and in, you know, schools and wherever the hell we could find kind of an open lot to go run. And this year, they're letting us race them on the track for the first time um, just as a series. So it will be really cool to get out there and do that.
2: Yeah, that makes me wish I lived in Wyoming because we definitely don't have any empty spaces out here.
1: Man, bring it out here. Come on. We'll show you a good time.
2: Yeah, literally, I mean, there's... Absolutely nowhere to race a cart in Florida, other than a racetrack.
1: There's plenty of space out here. You fly up here, I'll get you a cart.
2: <laughs> I you do that for
1: heavyweights too. <laughs> <laughs> Come on in. Wow, we'll get one.
0: Man, I had no idea. So, like, you guys just you have like rules or anything, or y'all just set up some cones and just go after it.
1: Usually, pick a place with curbs. Um, a lot of those parking lots will have like little islands in the middle, or trees and shit grow. Um, so we'll pick a place with kind of natural barriers. Um, we don't really, in the, when we're doing the parking lot stuff, we don't get too Western with it. We try not to really race, um, as much as we try to see who's got the quickest time, kind of who's fastest. Um, every once in a while, we'll kind of get up super, super close. But I mean, being that we're just racing curbs and some government parking lot, usually we just don't try not to get too, too rowdy with it.
0: And that is badass.
1: It it does happen. We do have. Some pretty gnarly wrecks every once in a while, but nothing too serious yet.
0: Jesus. I mean uh, really I've heard of now. illegal street racing, but you guys are literally just pulling up to a parking lot, unloading a little go kart and just zooming around as fast as you can. That that's awesome.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean there's there's been times where we've had fifteen of them out there. God.
0: Man. Well, I mean yeah,
1: there's a whole bunch of us.
0: I don't know if you got one that can fit me on it, but if you need some you need a flag man, I could be your guy. <laughs>
1: we'll figure something out get you aired up tires or something at least
0: man so wow um i don't know
1: where. I how really to, took how me to my go surprise. from
0: that wow yeah that came out of nowhere i guess how many how many events have you been to outside of of your little parking lot races um as far as like short tracks all the way up to nascar stuff
1: um i go out uh when the track here in town was super popular um Especially when my dad was racing. We were out there every week, um, and now I go down to CNS in Colorado a lot. Usually I'll make it down there, you know, six, eight times a year. Um, you'll see them super late models and stuff. I got a couple buddies that race down there in the legend cars and super late models, and here and there Grand American modified. It's a little bit of everything. I like going down there and seeing that. Oh shit! Anything up north of that? I've only been to one NASCAR race. Um, I went to Talladega in twenty nineteen and it actually got rained out. I had to listen uh, to Blaney win on the way home. Yeah. Oh yeah. We've we've all been there. Yeah,
2: we did that. Yeah, we were at
0: that race too. It was the best like 35 or 65 hour mini laps I've ever seen in my life. And then it rains out and we had to go to work the next day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well yeah, we obviously. had we drove twenty four hours down to Alabama. That's oh, how long of a drive God. it was. We left here at eight thirty our time and got there at nine thirty Birmingham time.
0: Damn, but, son.
1: 24 hours all the yeah. way back. Listen to MRN on the way
2: home. Oh, my God. I remember I remember you saying you broke your phone that day. You're.
1: I had souvenirs got stolen it. from me. Yep.
2: Yeah. The more I hear about Talladega, I'm like, well, can this stuff go on everywhere? Because I don't know this stuff happening. in Daytona. I, I've yeah. never had any
0: bad experience at Talladega. I mean, I've there's, some, there's some crazy stuff Mitch. that goes on, like, on the boulevard and stuff. But I've never had a bad Fanner interaction at Talladega. I've seen plenty of drunk people, but that's that's where everything gets gets done. I don't know.
1: Oh yeah, that's that's where you get into the people throwing beers in the crowd at Talladega and stuff.
0: Yeah, well, usually you'll be fine as long as you don't sit in the college grandstands for that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah as long so, as you don't try to fight any of them.
0: Well, I mean, according according to recent uh, history, uh, you might be the one to try to fight somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: I, I've been known.
0: Yeah, so I've seen – I mean, I listened to the Chairgating podcast that you were on with Rattlesnake, and um, and you were talking about fighting uh, a guy named Darian, uh, and actually, you know, you flew or you drove down to Vegas, and you said, you know, meet me somewhere, and we'll set this up. So what happened with all that?
1: So kind of a long story. So after – I don't remember if it was after – I think it was right after the Talladega race that I went to. Um, there's a video online of, you know, Chase Elliott fans in the college section. As soon as he took the lead, they started cheering, you know, getting kind of rowdy, throwing beer around. And he posted something along the lines of, like, if I were to race and I got beer dumped on me, I'd be fighting everyone in that section. So I just chimed back. I was like, well, you might not want to do that. Like, you know, a bunch of rowdy rednecks, you know, one little kid ain't going gonna, ain't gonna to do much. And he took that as we should fight i was like oh, okay and so he started calling me out you know he was calling me inbred and all this other shit and so i i dm'd him and was like hey man like if, if you want to set this up like you can do something he never did reply never did reply well i actually moved <laughs> to las vegas um, in february of 2020 and i think it was my like my second day down there i, I dm'd him again i was like hey dude i'm in vegas just like i told you like we can set this up somewhere and he definitely didn't want any smoke. He didn't send me an address or nothing, but still trying to get like a charity boxing match set up at least. It's square up with Black Flags Matter.
0: Man, if you, if you want to, I mean, I'm sure you can. You got connections with your uh, – with a little well, parking lot in Cheyenne. You should be
2: good. Yeah, Just we'll figure something there. out. Man. Yeah, I thought this whole like fight was over maybe. Uh, I heard a lot of Blaney fans blaming him for the uh, bad luck because they made him rub a, a Buddha head if that's correct.
1: Yeah. So I remember that. I was like, oh maybe I actually, where
2: came
1: from. even after after all that went down, we kinda had our little spat. Like I still haven't watched single Black Flags Matter YouTube video. Um I don't follow him on social media. I really try not to interact on any of his stuff. I guess out of wow. pure spite.
0: <laughs> man, I, I, don't guy, but, uh, Story,
1: man. I, I don't know
0: the guy. I don't know. Uh, we've just come to know each other in the last couple of weeks, but I'd pay to see I'd pay to see you fight someone. It just sounds fun because you just sound so <laughs> rowdy. <laughs> yeah, you just built a couple
1: bush lights in me.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, uh, drunk fights even might be even worse. Um, I don't know. Maybe we can we can set something up. We we can have our uh, our first uh, fan fuel live stream some sometime down the road. We'll all meet up and uh, and put it on Twitch or something get the bets going
1: yeah that sounds like a great time do it in vegas
0: (laughs) yeah i've never been that far west but uh maybe we can we can find somebody with some connections so we can get that done
1: yeah we'll figure something out i'm all i'm all for it man
2: all right so well maybe on the topic of having a charity box match maybe we could do a uh charity karting race in a parking lot somewhere in rural wyoming the only thing is we're gonna have to get alex to fit in a cart. so
0: hey hey i'll just officiate it and make sure nobody uh nobody does anything too illegal
1: but commentate
0: i can commentate i don't know about all that i guess we can go ahead and move on before we get ourselves in trouble um i guess i kind of want to do a weekend rundown of everything so let's talk about the trucks and uh I guess LaMarcus Leomonas is the biggest story of the weekend um, as far as the Camping World Trucks guys because he fielded 10 of those um, unsponsored trucks. He put his name on it, and uh, there was a a lot of them in the rear of the field. I, I kind of um, was seeing a bunch of people saying who who wins the race, uh, Kyle Busch versus uh, the 10 Camping World Trucks, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Um, but um, what do you guys think of, of a sponsor coming in and doing that? Because I saw a lot of different opinions on Twitter where people were saying, oh, well, he's devaluing the sport because he's only paying these guys $15,000. And then you've got other people on the side of saying, well, well, he's brilliant because he's getting so much marketing out of it. I guess I'll
2: say that at least he's paying them. It's not like J.D. Stacy or something like that where it's shady business. So. honestly don't think it's that bad of a thing i mean i think some sponsorship is better than none at all
1: i mean i think it's cool that he's just still trying to support support any way he can um i mean obviously more trucks out for the camping world truck series means that you know a more people are probably going to be prone to watching and B, him sponsoring a bunch of cars created some sort of news story for people to want to watch um and then i mean it, it, it it i think it's mostly good all around it's not a great of a look that the title sponsor has to come in and kind of pick up the slack um that kind of leads into like okay where, where can the truck save money at um to avoid these teams having to reach out for sponsorship like that
0: yeah and uh you you put a thread on on twitter about something like that because uh from from my thing i'm thinking maybe this is just a Uh, thing to deal with covid and the backlash from it because they're not a national you know the the national touring series that everyone knows which is the cup series and maybe they're just not not enough money to go you know into that series because no one's going to get tv time except for those top 10 or 15 that are always getting talking about because of them being a playoff picture or being a cup driver but you had said some stuff about changing up the truck series Uh, just a little bit to try and save money so that we don't have to worry about needing only $15,000.
1: Yeah, Um, I think there's been a handful of things that they could do to kind of, I don't want to say cheapen up that series, but reduce costs quite a bit for the teams. And so it's kind of a little bit more of a return on investment for sponsors who try to jump in. I mean, there's no reason that Sheldon Creed, the defending champion, should be out without a sponsor
0: well what do you what would you do to to change that how How would you make it look for for outsiders looking in saying that my brand needs to be on that truck because I mean, I think it's inexcusable myself that he doesn't have a sponsor being the reigning champion, but how do how do we fix that?
1: well the the cost is the big one. Um, instead of asking for say fifteen thousand from a company to run a race, they're asking for eight, you know. Um, maybe even 10, I think that's a lot more doable, especially during the COVID time when so many businesses are struggling. Um, I mean, you can do anything. I think the biggest thing would be shorten the uh, the travel distance for the truck teams. There's no reason we need to be sending the trucks to Las Vegas um, and to Texas and even to Kansas. I'm sure they put on great racing, but I mean, those, those trucks are, you know, they're the third tier series. They don't need to be treated like the cup or the Xfinity series. Um, I think there's plenty of short tracks right around Charlotte area within a thousand miles or so that could put on extremely great racing for that series. And I mean, if you look at it, the trucks don't bring in that many fans to the track anyway. Um, If you televise a race from South Boston, we're still probably looking at about the same attendance at the race. Um, And you're, you're providing a great, great product on track without having to cost the teams a bunch of money travel 24 hours out to Las Vegas or to Texas. Um, So that's one big one I would look at. You got tons of tracks around there, South Boston, Bowman Gray, um, even down like five flag speedway in Florida would be a really good one. Um, On top of that, I don't know much about like the mechanical side of the trucks, so I can't really um, speak onto that a whole lot. Um, I think they need to try more short track tactics. Um, I put in that thread, the world of outlaws still runs heat races, They do extremely well. Um, So do some heats. Make sure you only get like the top 20 guys in their top 15 best drivers in each night um, for that main event. Do some double feature nights, you know, convert the top 10 of the starting order, whatever you kind of got to do. And then going into the short tracks, I think they need to get rid of pit stops if they're going to start racing the shorter tracks. Um, That would save them having to bring out so many sets of tires, so much fuel. Um, you could really just run kind of a shoestring crew out there with a ten-minute intermission at halfway. Um, so there's a whole bunch of, I mean, little stuff that that could go a long way with saving the team's money.
0: Yeah, that, that's a lot of, to unpack there. Um, on there. yeah, yeah. So Nathan, I mean, you have any any rebutting thoughts for that?
2: Oh man, I don't really have much to rebuttal to be honest with you. I think the focus on the short tracks is probably the best part of that idea because. The more you look at a series like ARCA or whatever, they're not doing too well right now. And I think if you put trucks with the same emphasis on short tracks that ARCA had, they'd more, it'd be a more competitive series. And then that way, when they're ready to move up to, say, Xfinity series, then they get up to the big trucks. Um, then they're in a field with a lot more competition because... Then everyone's going to move up at the same time because they haven't gone to a big track yet, whereas nowadays with the trucks going there, the kids already get experience on the big track. So there's not as much of a, a rush to move up to Xfinity. So I think it makes the short track racing more competitive, and it also sort of um, it funnels more people into Xfinity, which makes that a more competitive series too. So
0: Well, I think um, we look at the trucks and we always say, oh, well, they're the most exciting because – they yeah, had the lack of experience and da 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 dah. And I think that got away from where NASCAR wanted the trucks at, at the beginning of, of the series right. where, you know, we had veterans and we had some new guys coming in and they're running short tracks all over the country, which is, you know, Colton, what you said was basically let's run more short tracks. Um, but I wanted to say, you said not, not to go West basically. So all the tracks that you mentioned were kind of, you know, West of the Mississippi, but you also mentioned the world of outlaws and they do basically a bunch of little speed weeks throughout the year. That's essentially how their schedule works is they'll be in Florida for a couple weeks and they'll go to Pennsylvania speed weeks and they'll go, you know, throughout the Midwest and they'll go to California and Washington and, and, and they just kind of like dot, dot the country. I mean, it's a little bit more complex than that, but that's the general gist of everything. So um, I think, if you want to do the short track stuff like you're talking about, bring them into more markets to get these people into NASCAR, but also move them, you know, kind of in their own West coast swing type deal where they would go, they would still go out West, but they would always go to short tracks that way. They don't have to have one or two trucks on the hauler and they go stop, to stop, stop and race, you know, two nights every week.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great idea. Um, I kind of mentioned it earlier. Um, that they used to race out at my track right down here at Colorado National Speedway up until, I want to say 2018, whenever they had that really close finish in Xfinity at Daytona, um, the closest finish in NASCAR history was at Colorado National Speedway. Um, and so, I mean, they can you can still have great racing at Colorado National. Um, Pikes Peak still isn't in that terrible of a condition. Um, there's Kern County out in, Cal- in uh, California that's really good. Hell, even Las Vegas yeah. racing at the Bull ring. Oh, yeah, I think that, then you that's got a great idea. L2.
2: Yeah, I would enjoy uh, that a lot. Evergreen, yeah,
0: basically,
1: idea.
0: basically like the K and N East and West series. Those series are so just bled, you know. Yeah, there's like, not enough cars. Like maybe NASCAR could do something to where they like they like merge those series into ARCA, um, like actually like that whole thing just morphs into one ARCA series. And then the trucks kind of take over for that short track action on the East and West coast. Um, And, you know, we only race 22 truck races a year. Why don't we up that to, you know, more than, you know, more than 40 and then drop the playoffs and just have, you know, cause with the outlaws, you got 10 or 12 cars that are running for points and everybody else is just local favorites. If we could make a reasonable body or something like that, uh, a reasonable chassis that more people could, intervene with we could do shows like Colton was talking about where you you run, you know, the 30 or 40 guys that travel the whole circuit and then you've got maybe five or 10 local guys that set up a car for, you know, a five or 10 race swing there that they can afford to do that and you run heat yeah. races.
1: Yeah, I mean if they if they just open up the rule book, um I mean you're going to have those local truck drivers um, they race the super trucks out here in Colorado. Um, I can only imagine, you know, one of the yachis setting up a truck. I mean, and they know how to get around that track. It wouldn't take a whole lot to really kind of get them up to speed. I think that's a great idea.
2: Yeah, I think it would. It would entice. I think local crowds to come to the track because they oh, have yeah. someone they know in the field.
0: Yeah, oh, and, without uh, a doubt. When uh, when you go to a like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't go to asphalt race tracks. So when when I go to a dirt track and. Whether or not I'm going there as a you know flag man, or you know sitting sitting down in the stands, there's always going to be a regional or national series there, and you're always going to have your local guys trying to compete with them. And then even if they do something where they finish like third or fourth in the feature, but they want a heat, it, it's like. That sense of camaraderie for that community is there. And I feel like that's something that the trucks could capitalize on because if we put them on the short tracks, we could simplify them just a little bit to make it to where the series just kind of exploded in a different way than it already has.
1: Yeah, agree completely. And they don't, I think NASCAR is trying to push the trucks a little too much to be like Xfinity and Cup. It was never, I don't think it was really intended Mm -hmm. to ever be like that.
0: Well, I think NASCAR is doing that from a from a standpoint of they need to have more than one series at the track each weekend. And while right. I do agree with that, it's probably more on them to have different series uh, for that to come in and maybe run on the Legends ovals of some of these 1.5s and and maybe other like fan events and stuff like that. And it's not necessarily a, we need to have three series on track for national um each week but you know they've been kind of bobbing in and out the trucks have this season they've already had uh this will be their second off weekend so uh we'll see stuff like that but uh saturday um i wasn't able to watch the race myself for xfinity because i was at the montgomery motor speedway watching the alabama 200 and that was my first asphalt late model race they were pro late models and then the modifieds of mayhem there and that was uh a really different experience to me, um, reminded me of a methodical mile and a half where you had comers and goers, not necessarily pit strategy because of, of what happened. Um, and then it was crazy at the end, um, kind of 70 ish laps to go, uh, a car stayed out, um, cause they do like compulsory pit stops or whatever, where they, they don't count anything. You go in, you change your tires, you come out exactly where, uh, you were you were seated when you when the caution came out um and one guy stayed out and took out uh the top two guys um that one was dominating the whole night and the other one had had raced his way from from third to that point from 17th and it was so i didn't watch xfinity i do know from what i saw on twitter um that we got the splitter versus valence versus grass versus turf uh conversation for the you know umpteenth time
2: yeah i'll definitely start with that i don't like if you're gonna keep the grass get rid of the splitter if you're gonna keep the splitter put the turf on there has to be like something you could do just to prevent like the needless destruction of equipment because i don't think a harmless spin should end your day
1: yeah nate um that's, I mean, that's a great point. Um, I think at this point, NASCAR needs to pick a lane. Like you said, if they're going to keep one, you need to change the other. Um, I'll always be team Valence because I don't think of a piece of equipment should cause you to tear up your equipment, um, especially, you know, I mean, grass was in NASCAR for 60 years, and it really wasn't that much of a problem mm-hmm. until they put the splitters on the cars. And, and there's the argument of, you know, well, grass doesn't allow the cars to slow down if they get sideways. And I, I understand that, but, um, I look at the Daytona 500 when Blaney cut through the grass at, I don't know, probably 80 miles an hour just to kind of get around the wreck that trashed his car and it ruined his day. Um, So I, I'll always be team Valence on that, but I, I really reiterate what you're saying. NASCAR needs to pick a lane here.
2: Right. Cause I'm worried that they're going to, knowing the teams and everything, they're, they're going to be stubborn. They're going to hang on to the sweater for all they can because they're going to say, Oh, the Valence doesn't, you know, it doesn't give us the downforce we want or, it's not as big of a performance advantage. And if they're going to do that, that's, I'm not, obviously I'll prefer a valence, but if, if they're committed to that path, they've got to put fake turf or artificial turf like Charlotte does to, to at least simulate what a valence would do so that spinning is not a problem anymore.
0: We haven't seen anybody chop off of a splitter since they did that at Charlotte if I can no. remember. Yeah. And uh, you can't really that. tell either. Um, Like from a visual standpoint, I know, you know, if you're there, you probably can tell that the grass is shiny or whatever, but you don't really notice it when you're watching the cars race. So I don't see why it wouldn't be a, a thing that we don't need to do, especially at mile and a half, because they're just going at such a high rate of speed and you just destroy cars for no reason. Um, I don't know uh you know at daytona with that lap 15 crash during the 500 yes the turf would have saved most of those cars from being totally destroyed i know like the the 99 and, and stuff like that who were fine before they hit the grass um but like how expensive is it going to be to put turf all the way around that that track
2: oh it won't be cheap i just in an ideal world, I wish every track could afford it.
1: Yeah, and that's a point I brought up on Twitter before, too, was um, it, it's kind of not the best move out of NASCAR to expect all of the tracks to just rip up their grass and put turf in and kind of put that expense on them. Um, granted, I think half their tracks are either owned by ISC or NASCAR at this point. Um, but, I mean, still, that's not, that's not the best look to say, hey, we're going to run this equipment no matter what. You guys need to foot the bill here, um, and so that's well, a I little mean, bit more reason. And team
0: I mean, they did that with the safer barrier, though. Yeah, that and that's a safety though. thing.
1: Yeah, that's a safety thing. I think right. pretty much all tracks um, that are racing a high speed a car outside of you know Formula One and some of the IndyCar road courses have them now.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, in my opinion, that would be a safety thing for the for the turf, though, right? Because you're destroying cars and. Mm-hmm. and stuff like that but if you want to look at it from an even different point of view the tracks make more of the money than the owners do so the tracks are the tv money i'm saying so the tracks probably can afford to foot that bill rather than having to pay for wreck race car after wreck race car after wreck race car uh, especially at some of these you know more intense high-speed places where we're chopping off splitters every time we go like talladega daytona um you know even some of the more crazy mile-and-a-half races like Kansas.
1: Yeah, I, I agree completely. Um, you brought up Saferberry. I mean, if we want to make a, a, a safety discussion, we should rip up all grass and just have asphalt there um, or concrete. You know, it, never mind yeah, the turf at that point.
2: I guess then you wouldn't have to deal with the 12-year-olds that are like, oh, just don't go into the grass on Twitter every week.
1: <clears throat> at Dakota Rutledge
2: did I hear calling people out in particular. I just see it a lot. Like it's like yeah, yeah but you never as had to worry anything, about anything though. 10 like years
0: ago, yeah, as with anything, would 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 something as <laughs> drastic as that, Nathan? Like you're you're paving over the grass that's been there since the right. beginning.
2: Like and... I'm not a huge fan of that. Like I want, I feel like the grass being there would. It's like a track limit enforcer. Because what if if there's no grass at like a quad oval or whatever mile and a half. And would you have, like, a yellow line rule or something? Or could you literally just cut all the way
1: down the pit road? Like, I don't know. Well, I think then I we'd bring know. up the double yellow line rule. It tracks the, yeah, w, the I mean, double yellow line rule.
2: Right. <laughs> it's like then there's a whole new can of worms here.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess I'll, I'll go with the team valence on this one because I, right. I feel like it's cheaper to, to put a valence on a card than do that. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to see what the next-gen car is like. That's not going to help I, the trucks or Xfinity I'm worried cars, about But that.
2: I feel like they're going to keep the splitter just because of the whole aerodynamic performance thing. Cause I bet the teams would probably pitch a fit if they had to go back to ancient technology from Gen 4. But, well, they've I got mean, the I...
0: raised splitter in the center, so I don't know. It's, it's only going to have the, I guess, I, I would call them ears or shoulders, maybe, Um, and then that front is going to have the two-inch higher splitter on the front right. unless they've changed that um since the last time I saw
2: a next gen I just I just wish they'd commit to a valence. I mean the less arrow the better. That's all I'm gonna say. Yep.
1: Big motor, small blade.
2: Yeah, well that's yeah, exactly that's a different argu- argument for a different
1: <laughs> day. <laughs> Big motor, uh, no front probably, blade.
0: Yeah, we right. could, no. We would uh we could spend hours on that and just debating whether or not that's a whole thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, that could be a whole podcast on its own
0: definitely that could be an actual like podcast just big motor small blade like somebody take that idea and make a podcast called that All right, I'd listen that. to you rant every single week I swear <laughs> oh.
2: yeah I'd listen to it too because it's better than you remember Kansas last year when there were YouTubers that were defending and saying oh this is why this package is good and it's like I really don't want to have to argue this every week
0: well, I mean, Nathan, I don't know. I, I will I will segue into Sunday's race. You say this is why that package is good. That Las Vegas race was one of the best that I've seen in a while, and we had the small motor big blade because we had the 550 package. So um, I don't know. Did you like what you saw? Ooh,
2: I like what I saw. Like, I don't attribute it to the package or anything. I'm just glad that it was warm enough weather and an old enough surface where you can move around and – cars would start to spread out after a run because, say, if it was 40 degrees and cloudy out, then they would have literally just stayed together in a pack for the whole run. And And
0: It's not like we've ever seen that
2: before. (laughs) God, that was the worst race I've ever seen. or Maybe not worst ever, but most frustrating.
0: No, the most frustrating part about that Kansas race was the commentators wanted to shove it down our throats that it was great racing because the four was right on the 22's ass. That was...
2: That was the low point, I think. At that point, I mean, I'm, I wonder, I'm sure at some point there, the booth was probably like, I'm glad I wasn't driving during this era. I could feel like Burton and Junior probably thought they were glad to not be driving those cars, but they had to say it anyways.
0: Yeah, um, I, I don't know. It was frustrating as me because all I was, they were playing TJ over the radio and. And I was like, Yeah, he's doing a damn good job and so is Joey Logano. but that's only because the four car literally cannot do anything.
2: Yeah. I just mm. hope that we don't get any more uh cold weather five fifty races like that because it's it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a rough time.
0: Yeah, but uh Sunday's race was the opposite of that. So I mean I thought it was a damn good race. Uh we saw a little bit of comers and goers just like we did with the mm. uh homestead race. Um I don't know what what did what did you guys see? I just just from the racing standpoint that you
2: liked. I thought it was decent from a long run standpoint because that's what I'm there for. Because obviously, it's harder to pass people on the short run with five fifty because if you're on the bottom on a restart, you're in get your freight train. And so once the run kind of goes on, I was glad that handling would come into play and cars would start to move around the upper groove and they would search for grip and then. Towards the end, you could tell that some cars were faster than others, and you got to see them either slip down the order, or drive through the field. Like that's what I enjoy. So, anything that makes it feel like it's not a five fifty race.
1: I'm gonna be honest with you. I turned the race off um, and I watched the last fifteen laps or so. Um, I really don't dig the whole wide open in the corners thing. And I mean, it was I saw highlights of it, and it was actually. Pretty damn good race for this package, but I think the keywords there are for this package, um, mm-hmm. we shouldn't have to depend on the weather or day or night to make it a good race. Um, I'm just I'm really not a fan of the, the air games that we see with this package. And exactly, like I mentioned the wide open in the corners, and you know from the highlights, it, it looked great. I mean, like like you guys mentioned earlier, you could get runs in multiple grooves, and that's awesome. Um, but I mean. I'm spoiled. I've seen too many, uh, many late model races to think that going wide open around a mile and a half is any enjoyable. Yeah, I actually turned it off and turned on an old bush race at Nazareth for a while.
2: Yeah, I'm just glad that the cars were able to have handling differences in the long run because I, I think that's the most important thing nowadays because it's so hard for handling to come into play. And the fact that cars could come and go over a run if it wasn't for that that was like that was the saving grace of the race in my mind
1: oh i agree completely
2: i I sit here and i watch the stuff and i i
0: thoroughly enjoyed the vegas race i thoroughly enjoyed the homestead race it's kind of one of those things that you 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 get a little bit used to what what's going on and you're nostalgic for the past but you kind of just accept what's actually going to happen as good or not based on the the standards that are in front of you. But we, I think the three of us and probably most of the NASCAR fan base, most of the NASCAR garage can all say that we can't stand this package. So I don't understand why we still have it. Um, It, it it started with the 750 horsepower um, stuff when they first went to the tapered spacers, where the speeds in the corners started going up, but handling didn't matter because they were going too fast in the corners, so they didn't have to let off and, and have comers and goers and save the tires as much. And now it's just basically slot car racing. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um I, I respect the fact that you didn't watch the race, Colton. I really do, Um, because someone like myself I'm going to watch regardless just because right. I, I live and breathe NASCAR. I'm too so stubborn. I really respect that you didn't watch it.
1: Oh yeah. And I, I'm the same way. I, I just, at, the way I look at it is if we don't like this package, like I think a drop in the ratings show that, or, I mean, obviously the, the fans talking about it ain't going to do much um, either way. I mean, I'm still going to watch every rate. I mean, I still made a point to, keep up on it with my phone. And then when it got down to the last few laps, I turned it on. I wanted to see at least the end of it. And I saw the start of it. Um, And races like Martinsville, man, I won't leave the couch for however long that race lasts.
0: Well, I mean, even the short track package being only 750 horsepower, it's not the same thing that we saw, you know, all the years of the COT and then 2013 and 14, where we had 850 to 950 horsepower. And you could see the cars, moving even on short tracks where they were slamming the brakes and their splitter would be in the air. And then it slammed the, the concrete uh, going into turns one and three at Martinsville and stuff like that. We don't, we don't get any of that anymore. And it's kind of sad to me as someone who's been watching a sport his whole life. Um, but also like people that are fans now that have just been recent fans like the stuff that, that they're seeing because mm-hmm. that's all they know. So I, I don't know. Right. I, I, I don't know how to fix the problems.
1: Right, uh, and I think you guys brought up a great point with the comers and goers. Um, we saw it at Vegas, um, and then even at Homestead when the uh, the day to night shift, um, we saw a whole lot of cars that were excellent during the day. You know, Busher and Logano fall back once it got night and cooler, and we saw those different setups come out. Um, I mean, I think that's great. That brings me kind of back to the I what I call my glory days of, you know, two thousand four to two thousand twelve really. Um, where you'd have different strategies kind of pay off and um and that, I I think we're we're moving in the right direction. I think they're slowly starting to figure this package out. Um but ultimately I s I don't think that's that's where we need to go. But like you mentioned we could have a whole podcast on this.
0: Well I mean we're we're moving to the next gen car next year and they're gonna have a similar engine package, which doesn't really scare me too much because we've had it for at, at that point, four years. So that that's probably why we see a little bit more parity this, this season so far. Um, but next year we'll have different suspension elements, different downforce elements, more mechanical grip. So I'm not worried about the future. Um, but you know, if we just have, you know, what? Seven more mile and a half to get through this year with that package and then not worry about it in the future, i I'll be completely fine and we'll just have been wasting our breath for the past three years, but I I don't know what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. And I I agree with you there. I think they're trying to make this work with the next gen car. So hopefully it'll be um, a little bit better. I mean, seeing air under the car when they're going down the straightaway is, is going to be a great thing to see again. Um, We kind of saw it with that Phoenix test they did with the next gen with Logano driving it.
0: Yeah. I'm sure that the suspension and stuff will get worked on just by R&D and we'll lose that over time. But the fact that they're going to have um, they're going to have mechanical grip and downforce being made under the car um, is going to help regardless of of that specifically. Um, mm-hmm. So I think something that, that uh, Nathan and I have had talked about is the composite bodies that are coming. So I'm thinking that maybe they're trying to homogulate current cup racing with current Xfinity racing with the supercars package that they're trying to put into the next gen car and i'm hoping that it's going to work
1: yeah that's great um the composite bodies i think is going to be a huge step forward Um, we watch an xfinity race and guys can i mean they can damn near smack the wall and still be all right yeah Um, as opposed to the cup cars you know you kind of touch fenders once and someone's got a tire rub Um, Mm -hmm. i think that'll be a really good step to getting back towards um you know the contact sport part of nascar yeah and you know
0: what i hadn't even thought about that Uh, I just thought about hitting the wall and not destroying your day, but they can hit each other with that too. (laughs) (laughs) Now you got me excited. Yeah. So something uh, a little bit polarizing happened, you know, over the off season, we saw the two to five meme finally be fulfilled with Kyle Larson, uh, coming back to NASCAR with the five, uh, he went out and he won it on Sunday. Um, I guess let's first get your guys' thoughts, and then we'll kind of discuss the other thoughts we saw elsewhere about it. So, uh, I guess, Nathan, what did you think about, uh, I guess, the prodigal son returning?
2: Well, first of all, I'm kind of glad that he did win because um, I remember when it all kind of went down last year. I didn't really say anything in particular. I was thinking, you know, look, you know, he, he screwed up just – just you know, I'm just gonna wait and see what happens. If he can come back and if he can right his wrongs and cool, but if he can't, then he can't. So the fact that he did all that to come back that was impressive enough. And then we got onto the track. He starts having the runs he's been having. That's that says a lot. To be honest, I didn't expect it to be this good this early. So. He's he's had a chance to win every race this year, and he's probably one of only two or three guys that's even had the chance of doing that. So he's he did everything right off the track to fix everything, maybe not fix, but atone for his mistakes. And then when he gets onto the track, he's starting to prove that you know this reinstatement is you know, he's he's proven that he deserved it.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean. I think that's great, Nate. Um, I'm touching on the front of it there. Um, I'm a I'm a huge dirt fan as well. Um, I Larson's kind of my guy whenever he races in the Outlaws or any kind of any kind of sprints, really, Chili Bowl even. Um, so I was a, I wouldn't call myself a Larson fan, but I followed him quite a bit before the whole thing went down. Um, and then after the incident happened, um, I understood completely why he got fired. And I'm right. If y'all mm-hmm. know me on Twitter. I am super combative. Like I will argue with anyone about anything. <laughs> and for weeks, I remember arguing with people like, well, it didn't fire him. The sponsors did. Right. Um, And I think he did a great job coming back um, and, and getting the ride at Hendrick. Um, I think it's it's has cool and extraordinary that he went out. And I mean, he put an ass whooping on him. He didn't just right. go I out guess. and win the race. I mean, he was he was fast. Um I think the coolest thing about his win was the paint scheme. Um I like seeing that old Ricky Hendrick mm. number five out there. That that was that know. was pretty damn cool. Right. I'm not
2: there. trying to like add fuel to the fire, but the last time that scheme ran full time, it won a Bush series title with Brian Vickers, I believe. So
1: Right. right. I don't want to
2: jinx anything out there, but
1: oh, yeah. I I thought that that was probably the coolest part. I mean, other than him coming back and winning, was was the scheme out there that Hendrick had the opportunity to do it? Since Larson doesn't have any main sponsors,
2: I'm just glad that he did redeem himself because I, I'm Asian American. I gotta have an Asian guy to root for, so so if yeah. Larson wins <laughs> is cool well, to me.
1: Yeah, that that's that's pretty cool there. Yeah, and great on him for coming back and winning.
0: Well, I I think that um, everything happened kind of, you know at an opportune time for him. And I know that kind of sounds a little bit bad, Um, but you know, him getting the five almost is not even a punishment for what was done um, because he kind of came back to a better situation. Um, I'm not going to get into the whole deal of whether or not he's proven himself learned of the mistakes that he's done or anything like that. That is up for That is up for you personally to decide, whoever you are. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've never really liked the guy um, and his on on his off track uh, blurbs when it comes to NASCAR because he's only there for the money. He he didn't he didn't um, he didn't really care. You know the Chili Bowl is better than winning a Daytona 500, that sort of stuff. Uh, But I've always respected his talent. So. I think knocking him on his ass like that incident did made me gain a little bit res- of respect for him because he knew that he needed NASCAR a little bit more than he thought he did, and it kind of knocked him down some levels and kind of humbled him that um, I think he's going to come come back uh, in the long run. And respect the sport itself a little bit more than just throwing around nonchalant stuff like like the Chili bowls bigger than a Daytona 500 or a championship in NASCAR.
2: Um, I guess it's up for interpretation because for him, for everyone, you know, their biggest race is different. You know, for a kid who grows up in Indiana, they're going to want to win Indy and so on and so forth. And growing up like in dirt, I would imagine A lot of kids who dream of racing in dirt probably dream of winning the Chili Bowl. And I guess you could say now that maybe he's, even though he's more respective of NASCAR, he mentioned in an article that his goal is not just to win in NASCAR. It's to be one of the more versatile drivers in the country. So if he's able to do both at the same time, I think it's going to prove his point.
0: Yeah, and and I totally respect him for that. No different than Christopher Bell. I love seeing guys go out and just showcase their talent in other areas. I mean, the man won his, what, second start in a super late model on dirt. I mean, it's crazy, and I love that. But I guess that 2018 to 2019, early part of 2020 vibe that I got from Kyle Larson is that he did not want to be in NASCAR. And I'm like, okay, dude, then just leave. But when he was forced to leave, it seems like just the, you know, four weeks that we've seen him back, there's there's a different demeanor to Kyle Larson, and 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 that demeanor is something that I like.
1: Yeah, and, and I can agree with that. Um, to piggyback on what Nate said, I mean, three drivers, big race is going to be different. I mean, Tony Stewart said several times that Outlaws are kind of his, his favorite series to race in, um, and that doesn't mean he doesn't love NASCAR, but um, and I kind of get that with Kyle, but then you kind of mentioned, you know, the, the vibe you got of like, well, he's just kind of here dabbling in Ascar And yeah, I got that too. Um, so I think it it is really cool that kind of has this, this humility back of, you know, well, cup rides aren't just for everyone.
2: It's pretty cool because it reminds me almost of um, the guys like in the 60s or 70s that would cross over disciplines all the time. And it, it seems like we finally have somebody now that can – Drives almost anything that they're given, and do well in it. It's it's completely yeah. different than the drivers you get today.
1: Yeah, our own our own version of the Mario Andretti and the AJ Foyt, who could kind of go kick ass in anything they got in.
0: Yeah, and I want to see that from more drivers than just the two that we've you know mentioned. You know, Seabell and 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 of course Larson, who we've been focusing on. Um, but. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm just really happy that he won. There was a lot of hate, though. Um, right. There was a lot of people fighting on both sides about, oh, yeah. it's... about about him winning and whether or not it was good for the sport. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I know, it's Nathan, you had, you had seen some stuff like that. Yeah.
2: Like, I, you know, I see the Larson fans are getting into it, and obviously there's a certain vocal subset of fans that I will not name. Everybody knows them that are they're more um, – reluctant to forgive Larson, which hey, you know, it's fine. Everybody's got their own everybody's got their own process or opinion behind things. And but the fact that say Larson was sort of accepted with open arms by the other drivers and the entire sport, I think that says that says a lot about their maturity and acceptance versus ours. It seems like the drivers and the personalities in the sport are more they're almost like they're more mature than we are. Like you saw Bubba Wallace, even he accepted Larson back, the open arm. So if he can do it, then I think that there isn't really a need for us to be fighting as much.
1: Yeah, yeah. right. Like yeah, if, if if the guy is competing against him week out, week out, that week in, week out, that talk to mm-hmm. him on a damn near daily basis can accept it and move on. I think the fans should absolutely do that as well.
2: Because I think Bubba probably got more out of it. I mean, he got it worse than anyone when it came to that. So, the fact that he's able to do it, then that almost says a lot about his character versus, say, the fans that they don't even get half right. of the flack that Bubba got for it, and yet yeah. they're less willing to move on.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, Bubba brings out a whole even, I guess, nastier version of people um, from Twitter to oh, Facebook yeah, that's to whatever. Sad. So. I mean... I don't know that just that guy right there. um, He seems to be the way he condones himself is just pure respect. And I don't know, short of murdering someone, uh, Bubba seems like he's one one of the guys that will love to help you redeem yourself and then, you know, pat you on the back and hand you a beer. So I don't, I don't, I don't get the hate for him. And I don't get the, I don't get the hate for Larson, uh, maybe it's not it's it's not or it's because I'm not you know in a certain um, subset of person um, to where I don't have the same views as, as someone who's affected by those type of words. but you know at the end of the day, like you guys said, if the community that he's involved in is you know willing to accept him back after they directly shunned him, less than seven days than it happened you know i think i think that speaks a lot to to his redemption
2: yeah absolutely and then on a, a more lighthearted note i guess you could say that he's proving the stereotype wrong that asians can't drive so i'm pretty happy about that
0: uh i don't know that's a that's a little bit of a different argument you've got you know uh
2: takuma sato right yuki uh, snow to all his people it's just fun yeah. to I'm an Asian guy, so I'm you know how it goes. I'm I'm used to the jokes by now. Yeah, well, but I mean, hey, I'm glad we got glad we got someone at least in NASCAR.
0: Yeah, um, that that's been something that hasn't really been a, a thing. Uh, whereas you know you've you've seen black and Hispanic and other Latino drivers coming into the sport uh, for quite some time. You know, so I I, I never really thought about having uh, Asian. American driver being being something that, that people of Asian descent would look up to?
2: I honestly, at one point, I was looking through that, and I was like, wow, okay, that's pretty interesting. He's Japanese-American, and seeing that story play, I was pretty neat just from the standpoint of like, hey, you know, people from, uh, I guess, various backgrounds can come in and drive and do well. You know, I guess... I mean, I'm not saying it's like a make-or-break thing, you know, but it is interesting to see because he was one of the first successful drive-for-diversity candidates, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. And
0: probably has, has, you know, no disregard to anyone else, probably been the most successful of them so far. I mean, was that his fifth cup win, I think? Seventh, I think. Seventh? Yeah, I'm sorry Kyle Larson if you're listening (laughs) I'm not trying to undermine your talent
1: (laughs) Kyle if you're listening send me an autograph
0: (laughs) Yeah I don't know He's good for the sport Diversity in general is good for the sport Because you know I'm tired of Going in public places And then growing up being a NASCAR fan Getting you know made fun of For being that redneck kid That likes cars turned and left Her 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 Um, so I'm, I'm glad people like Larson and Bubba and Daniel Suarez are in the sport to kind of progress us, you know, from a talent perspective, because, you know, we can have owners, we can have crew chiefs, but until the face of the sport is more than just, you know, uh, a standard white redneck, you know, it's not going to be a a thing. And, you know, part of that comes with ignorance because, you know, we've had plenty of drivers, um, uh, mostly from California that have been dominant. You know, maybe they've driven the 24 and the 48, but no one no one could tell you where they were from. I, I don't know. Um, but I guess moving on, talked at the top of the show that we were going to talk about NASCAR's push for the best season ever. Um, it is a great advertising campaign, and I don't know that either of you would argue with that. Um, but they've pushed it. They've done kind of a theatrical um, version of of the season as it goes along, um and kind of come at it from like an action flip, flick type deal. Um but that's a big a big commitment to hold yourself to. Um do you guys think that the best season ever is gonna be
2: 2021? Ooh man, that's it's different. I mean I I don't know this season's been so impossible to predict that I can't really make a confident prediction as to how the rest of the season's going to go i can make a prediction it might not be right because everything else i predicted so far has been pretty wrong so i guess if i was saying if i was playing it safe i would say you know look the usual winners are going to show up soon and once they show up they're gonna they're they're gonna run away with it but then then again there's a bunch of new tracks and there's a lot more um variations from like rules packages because there's more 750 races there's dirt there's a bunch of road courses there's there's a lot of things going on and the fact that you got four winners already that you didn't necessarily expect to win it makes you wonder if we're actually going to get to 16 winners or not because we've come close before but i don't think it's happened in years
1: i don't know that we're going to see the 16 winners especially in Twenty-six races, but I mean four different ones in the first four races is—I mean—that's a damn good start. Um, I actually I couldn't even tell you if that has happened or when the last time it has happened um, since the whole playoff format began. Um, well, I,
0: I think that the uh, only time that it happened in the first twenty-six races with twenty—or excuse me, two thousand one. So don't quote me on that, but I think—but that was pre-playoff and pre-chase.
1: Yeah. I think you're right on that one. But, I mean, even to Nate's point, um, um you know, we might see some big names get knocked out here. Um, obviously, I think the Harvicks and the Hamlins are going to, you know, eventually come out um, here in these next few weeks and kind of figure their season out. Um, but, I mean, if we get up there in the winter column, you know, even 13 or 14, we may see guys like Kyle Bush you know, who kind of had a rough season last year, miss the playoffs. Um, we could see some guys you know, some other bigger name guys, maybe even a, you know, a Stuart Haas car or two or, um, Or you know, maybe, yeah, or three with the way they're running. Um, You know, we could see a a
2: Hendrick
0: car miss it. I mean, realistically, we've only got 16 spots. You've got a front row car that's already taken it that we saw not coming at all. Um, William Byron was probably going to get in on points if he didn't get a win. And Kyle Larson um, just slipped into that kind of, guaranteed spot out that jimmy johnson was the last two seasons so to get all four of your hendrick joe gibbs and stewart haas guys in i think that's going to be really 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 tough
1: yeah i mean i think penny i mean stewart haas isn't looking great this year just off the rip that could change um but we may see a briscoe a custer and an almirola all miss the chase Um, and that's that's banking on harvick doing exceptionally well as well um, it was brought up in – I don't know if you guys listened to it for clear, um, but Stuart Haas went from a few years ago to all the drivers winning now to last year Kevin Harvick was the only one that found victory lane other than Cole Custer's kind of roundabout win at Kentucky. Um, so we, we could be looking at something like that. And then you also got to include guys like Austin Dillon, um, who got really hot the second half of last year.
2: Oh, yeah. He could, he could pull something out. You never know.
1: Yeah, I well, mean, you, you, and we're also leaving out the Penske guys.
2: Yeah, there's so many – I mean, it's just – it's pure confusion at this point.
0: Yeah, and it hasn't been a normal season, so I don't know if their best season ever Mm -hmm. stick is the thing. More like uh, weirdest season ever so far. I mean, the 34 being up there, uh, I, as soon as it happened, was like, well, there's a wasted playoff spot. No different than Chris Buescher when he did it on that rain race uh, at Pocono. But he's still in the top ten in points, so – They got a little something. He's doing all right. right. Yeah. Yeah,
1: He's doing all right. He's kind of hanging in there.
0: I mean, at this point, realistically, who do you guys see being another winner that either A, hasn't won before or doesn't win often? Because, you know, you've got Kurt Busch doing this the past couple years. You had Cole Custer with sort of a fluky win. I'd even go as far as to say Austin Dillon's win at Texas wasn't really – a win based on merit, as much as it was that that track just did not have tire wear. Um So, I mean, who do you guys, you know, Colton? Who do you think could could be one or two guys that could get a win that we're kind of not expecting? um Because I, I don't know, is it just the William Byron and the and the thirty four of Michael McDowell, or we're, are we going to have more?
1: Well, I think one name comes to mind, and then. Um, I think the plate tracks come to mind as well. Um, I think Tyler Reddick will probably get in there at some point. He was looking real good at Homestead the last you know, closing stretch of the race. Um, I don't know. Last year he was kind of fading out towards the second half of the year. He really turned it on that first half, but I really think he's gonna he's gonna find victory lane this year. Um, got a lot a of, lot of hope in that. Um, and then the plate races. You look at you know maybe random guy like Anthony Alfredo getting a win, right? We yeah. look at a random guy, um, Daniel Suarez getting a win.
0: I will argue about Daniel Suarez being random. Cause that dude is a hell of a plate racer. He, I've yeah, seen, he can,
1: he can drive.
0: Yeah. Being at the, at the track at Talladega multiple times, seeing him being taken out by Chase Elliott, um, uh, a couple times that one time when he was running that camping world scheme from, uh, the drop sponsor that was uh, Subway. I mean, the kid can wheel the hell out of a super speedway car. So i argue that he's kind of on the same vein as a a Ryan Blaney or a Ricky Stenhouse Jr. plate win. He's going to always be there, and if the cars fall right, he's he's good to do it.
1: Um, and that's another one that could pop up is Stenhouse. Um, yeah. I really, really don't like that guy, but, I mean, he hasn't been bad this year. No,
2: not at all. He was right so what, if,
1: what if he steals a spot?
2: Yeah, and I'm thinking I'm thinking if we're going Super Speedway, I wanna I wanna say Eric Jones. Obviously his name's not really random, but the fact that he's in a petty car, no offense to Petty's team. But the, the, no one really expects a petty car to win anywhere outside of Super Speedway on pace. So and Jones in particular, he could have won a couple of Todd Egg races and he ran well in the Daytona race in August. So I would want to say he's another one that sort of popped in my mind when you said super speedway.
0: Yeah, and if he does it in that armor scheme, I'll be happy. because yeah, I'll, I'll buy, buy a die day, so so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, when it comes to super speedways, I think everybody thinks that it's wide open, but there's really only about eight or ten guys that are going to win that race. It's going to be the Pinsky guys, it's going to be Denny Hamlin, and it's going to be the guys that we just talked about. Um, I, I don't, I don't see someone else winning one of those races. Um, but I guess based on merit elsewhere, um, road racers, uh, I could see if the cards fall right a Chase Briscoe win. Um, but the only other person I'm looking at at, at, at uh at being there for a road course style is going to be Austin Cendrick but of course he's running for points in Xfinity, so he really doesn't matter in this. In this uh, situation, so I, I don't know. Um, what about
2: Almendinger too? Wasn't he? Yeah,
1: well, that's that that's a really good point to bring up. Um, because you get a ringer in there, like you know, like Syndric, like Almondinger. Um, they aren't going to run for points. They aren't going to be eligible for playoffs. But that takes a win away from someone else. Well that takes that takes a race out of the equation.
0: Well, let's say let's say okay, let's say that those two guys win. Let's say that Dinger gets the win at Coda and then maybe the Indy Road course uh, Austin Center wins out. Um whose playoff spots are they taking? Because I'm gonna assume that we've got so many people that are coming down to the wire at race twenty six at Daytona that we might have a a points cutoff that separated eight or eight or nine drivers by ten to fifteen points. Who could who could have gotten in based on those wins? Who do you think it's going to come down to, just based off these four races? My, this is way too uh, tough for me.
1: <laughs> the first, first name that comes to mind is Bowman. Um, he hasn't had a, an absolute ton of speed this year, as opposed to last year. Um, granted, he's more a, a second-half, middle-of-the-season kind of driver. Um, another one is Bubba. I mean, he's – he hasn't been doing terrible, and I think with the new equipment, he'll definitely figure out as the year goes on. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure that I see him getting a win in those first 26 to lock himself in. So he's probably going to be up there. Um, and then even a guy, if Blaney doesn't really, really turn it on, he's he's going to be fighting for a, tie, for a playoff spot come race 25, 26.
2: Yeah, I guess if I had to go piggyback off what you were saying here, these aren't really guys that I would assume is you know guaranteed championship contenders, but you think Eric Almirola, Matt De Benedetto, they're usually at least contending for the final field playoff spots every year. And now, after four races, to Benedetto's in thirtieth in points, and Almirola's in like twenty fifth or something like that. They're they're in the position now where they're they're in such a deep hole that they're if they don't start collecting a bunch of points, and they're going to be in a tighter spot toward the end of the regular season and knowing how good of a super speedway driver al Marola is that'll be pretty interesting if he's still in this kind of situation where he has to he has to win
0: yeah and those were two guys that i was thinking about um specifically with with the benedetto um because i just don't know if, if he has luck. if he has two or three more bad bad luck uh scenarios happen in the next five to ten weeks he's going to be He's going to be so far back in points. I don't think he'll even be in the fight for a, a points spot in the in the playoffs. Yeah, he might have to win. So, but I guess the guy that I'm looking at, um, just early season is is Brad Keselowski, and and that's really? somebody yeah. that I just I, I don't. He's been pretty good for me. I I don't know. It just it doesn't. It's not yeah. something where I see that luck is going to come into it like it has for the twelve car. I just think that. His his recent success um, has not really been there. The past couple of seasons, he hasn't been the same Brett Kazlowski that he was really? pre. That's pre-2019. interesting I
2: will fight you on this one. Like I'm not okay. On, just because just because his season last year was actually one of he he rated that as his second best year of his career behind 2012 and ahead of 2014. And I was thinking, you know. This week at Vegas, he had at least a top two car. Um, didn't necessarily win the race, but he was probably one of the only cars that had anything for Larson. And then he was pretty. I mean, okay, Penske was off as a whole at Homestead, so that was that was a wash. But he did finish top ten Daytona to Road Course, even after his adventures earlier in the day, and could have won the five hundred. Um, I I just don't think that he's done. Yet, cuz usually the statistical peak of a driver is age 38 39 and he's nearing that age i don't think that i don't think that he's anywhere near done winning races just because of that that little statistic as well as the fact that when they brought bullens and everyone's all the blennies fans like you know okay brad's going to he's going to fall off the bullens and he ends up winning three or four races so i think that he still got something left i don't i'm not too worried Oh about
0: yeah. Him I'm not saying that he's done with his career, but I just don't I don't I don't know. There's just this weird feeling that I'm getting about Brad
2: Keselowski in 2021. I think but I don't know why. Weird, and, the weird I, thing with Brad is like he's not necessarily the fastest Penske car on paper most given weeks, but the one thing that sticks out to me is he's not the fastest Penske car, but he always gets the best result. Like usually you could argue that Blaney or Logano were faster cars earlier in the race, but they're usually finishing behind Keselowski, and I think that's the one thing that's going to keep him alive a lot longer than people expect.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna second Nate there. Um, I, I see where you're coming from, but man, Keselowski's going to turn it on at some point. Um, Atlanta's a really good track for him. Talladega, uh, he, he won the 600 last year. I, I think I think we're going to see the best of Brad Keselowski come out here soon.
0: Listen with my luck I'm just gonna I'm just gonna have to have the worst take of 2021 and Brad's gonna rattle off you know six or seven wins like like Harvick and, and Hamlin did last year and I'm just gonna have to put my foot <laughs> in my mouth and eat it and I'll expect you guys to hold me that come the end of the season.
2: Yeah I, was, <laughs> so. I had think that, that was me last year with a couple of friends they all said they're all anti-Keslowski for whatever reason and they're like, okay, you know, he got he got you know, people is like, Oh my god, he's got a different crochet, he's not gonna do good and I'm like, just calm down, calm down. He'll win a couple of short truck races, he'll be fine. And you know, sure enough, it ends up being one of the most consistent years of his career. So now I'm like, if if Kozlowski brought me this far, I'm I'm gonna back him because he he made me look smart, so I don't know, maybe it's the presentation,
0: maybe He's just, not, he's just not there on TV or something. I, I don't know what it is. I just have that feeling about him for 2021. I don't think this is going to be Brad's year. It might be a, a Kyle Busch year where he only had that one race win at Texas last year, or it might be the winless Denny Hamlin season for, for, for me. There's always that one lull season in every driver's career, and I don't know that Keslowski's really had
2: that yet. I guess 2013 was sort of one of that. For him. But it kind of came so early in his career that I don't know if he's had, like, complete rock bottom yet. I don't know. I I, I don't know. It's just a a feeling uh, I got. I I feel like once he gets to that age 38 sweet spot, it'll it'll be a sort of make or break thing. Because I know that the last three or four drivers to hit that age all got new cruise chiefs around that time. And their production's, like, skyrocketed. So... I don't see why he couldn't skyrocket, even if it's not Kevin Harvick levels, but I, I could see him continuing to win two or three races a year, which he pretty much has done for a long time now.
0: Yeah, I mean, he is one of the elite drivers, but I think, I mean, obviously myself included,
2: he just gets left out of that that conversation most of the time. Right, I don't He just doesn't seem to have the fanfare the other drivers of the skill level do.
0: Right. And I don't know uh, where that comes from, but I've obviously fallen victim to that, but you guys can keep me, uh, keep me humbled once he rattles off those wins this year. Um, But we'll see what happens. Um, I don't know. So back to the, I guess the, the overall question of the best season ever. Um, Nathan and I talked about this, uh, I guess, in our first episode about how there were some things that we really liked about uh, the structure of the season, and there were some things that we really didn't like about uh, this this season structure being the schedule and, and other stuff like that. So, Colton, I guess, for it to be the best season ever, um, do you feel that way when you look at the schedule, when you see changes around with the Brickyard with Bristol dirt with Kentucky and Chicagoland going away with the road courses. Where are you at in regards, in regards to that?
1: At this point, I'll just have to wait and see. Um, I like most of the schedule changes they did. Um, I'm a very, I don't want to say anti-road course, but um, I definitely think you can have too many on the NASCAR circuit. And I think we're really approaching that point. Um, But I mean the Bristol dirt, uh, the Nashville, um, they're they're trying something, and it, it, it at least sounds like they're kind of NASCAR's listening. Um, as far as the schedule change goes, I mean they're they're doing what they can, um, and so I, I like the marketing ploy here. I don't know if it's going to be the best season ever. Um, twenty eleven and two thousand one is going to be pretty hard to beat. Um, but yeah, I mean we're going to have to have a combination of things. We're going to have to have a combination of good races, different tracks. Um, we're going to have to have a combination of different winters. Um, memorable finishes, I think is a really big one, um, as far as the best season ever. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we're only, you know, four races into it.
0: Right. And, uh, you mentioned the uh, uh, 2011 and the 2001 seasons, and I, I I don't think Nathan was around to see the 2001 season. No, I Uh, wasn't even born. Yeah. So I guess that means you and I are the only ones that can comment on what we saw live. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh man <laughs> um that season was great
0: if we look back on it you you have i want to say it was 19 winners um of course you we started off the most tragic way we could with the loss of dale earnhardt but from there we had the story of kevin harvard coming back we had 19 different winners um points was all over the place we had the uh season finale at new hampshire which was different because of Gordon. the 9-11 attacks and it was just a – it was a crazy season. So, I mean, I guess – Yeah. Go uh, ahead. The
1: highlight of that season for me was the uh, the All-Star race. Uh, Nate, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but – The rain? Instant. Was it the rain? Rain. As soon oh as my, they threw the green God, flag, it started raining and won. And <laughs> half the cars washed up the track and wrecked out, and so they let them bring out the backups. And Dale Jr. is still on this about it. They um, – because they didn't tech the backup cars so they just kind of let them Ooh, run whatever cool. they brought to the track <laughs> and that that was a really a very memorable moment for me seeing all them damn cars wash up the track like that
2: yeah, yeah. i guess you could say for me I, having not seen that season live i would i would say that the two things that i that stuck out to me most about that year were probably the bobby hamilton win because of the whole Last caution-free race at Talladega. I don't know if it was the last caution-free race, but it was one of them. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, that was a great race, despite not being the chaotic Talladega you're used to. The finish was great. It's a different winner um, than the whole Robbie Gordon thing because I remember that he spun Jeff Gordon to get that first win, didn't he?
0: Yeah, I believe you're right.
2: So as the, the season had a lot of weird things go on and. People always remember like Daytona, both the Daytona races and the Dover race and all kind of stuff. But there were so much weird things going on that they almost get glossed over. Yeah, well, I mean, there there was so much
0: going on outside of just the emotional stuff. Like, I, like I mean, you know, we saw the the twenty nine win in Atlanta. We saw you know that that picture of the DEI guys from Rockingham when they were all cutting up uh, on the pit on the pit wall just, you know, a week after they, the sport got back into its groove, you know, just like Dale would have wanted uh, was what everybody said, but there was a lot of crazy stuff. I mean, and, and that was, that was the season where we saw uh, additions of tracks like Chicago land to the schedule. And I believe Las Vegas as well. So we were in new markets. It was just something crazy. And I've, I've got that feeling this year. Because we're going to new markets, we've got new tracks and stuff. Um, so I can draw similarities to 2001 with that. Um,
1: oh, yeah, that, that's that's perfectly said. I mean, the new tracks is a big thing. Um, we'll have to see how the dirt race turns out. Um, I'm I'm a, a big vocalist about if they're going to go to a dirt track, they need to go to a dirt track, not to Bristol dirt. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think the cup cars are going to put on – that great of a show there as compared to like, I'm going to be watching the outlaw race and the late models and stuff playing there. Um, but it, it'll still be really, really cool to see them cut cars back on dirt. Um, and yeah. then like you mentioned, Nashville super speedway is going to be on there. It's, it's the wrong Nashville. Um, but we're, uh, we're, we're getting there. I think having a, a race in the city that you're hosting the banquet at is a really huge, huge deal. Getting back to that, that Nashville market. Um, I mean, the first few Kentucky races that we saw were were excellent. Um, so maybe we even see something like that come out of Nashville.
0: Yeah, well, um, something that I was I was thinking about was, um, just the whole overarching change and shift. You know, we had this the mile and a half boom at that era in in the late '90s, early two thousands, and then we had a stagnant schedule for. Yeah, fifteen something years where they were just moving a few dates around, and we added Kentucky as really the only extra thing. So, so I feel like this is a new era of NASCAR that we're entering into, um, and I think it's it's going to do a lot for the sport, um, publicity wise, but also for some of us fans. Um, you know, even though I disagree wholeheartedly with the Cup cars going to dirt, um, which is opposite of you know, what you feel like, Colton. Um, I'm glad that NASCAR's trying stuff. They're not just going to sit there and be in the same rut.
1: Yeah, and, and that's that's great. And I think another thing um, I would kind of make it the best season ever that I look back at 2001 and 2011 is there's a ton of team changes this year. Um, I mean, we got two whole new teams moving in. A whole bunch of drivers seem like they moved around. Um, that's kind of what we saw in, like, you know, 2001, 2011 um, 2001, obviously, we had Chip Ganassi coming into the sport. Um, you know, DEI fielded another car. And then 2011, it seemed like we had a ton of drivers moving around after 2010. Um, and then that's kind of really when um, more Toyota teams, the MWRs and the Red Bull, kind of really became competitive. Um, so that'll be a more interesting part to see, I think.
0: And, and one good thing about 2011, um, other than the championship battle, which was probably second to – to none, even I would go as far to say it was better than the 1992 battle, but that's a different fight for a different day with uh, some of the fans out there. Um, we saw drivers like Regan Smith getting wins and stuff. And, and that to me was on the same lines of what we've already seen with Michael McDowell at the Daytona 500, you know, someone winning a big race for a, a team that's not really ever done anything of course front rows had plate wins before but you know someone who's later on in their career getting a big win like that I, I think is something something that is kind of steering me towards you know what if we can if we can match the level that we were at in 2011 we can probably surpass it this year and hopefully the marketing's not wrong
1: yeah yeah i agree completely
0: as so Nathan, you were actually around for the 2011 season. Um, yes, I was. <laughs> what was your what was your um, I guess overall grade on it? Like like what were the things that that I guess got you pumped up during that season? Mm.
2: Okay. Well, obviously the parity is going to be the biggest thing for me. Um, the championship battle when it happened, it was really 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 exciting as it happened live because tony stewart was always one of my favorite drivers growing up on top of my obvious favorite driver but almost in hindsight now because i'm such you're you're probably gonna get mad at me for this isn't this is where we're gonna disagree and i almost feel like now part of me wishes that edwards won because um i'm such a i'm such a purist and like the defender for the old school points format and all that kind of stuff. And like he, I mean, Tony Stewart was pretty much as good as his chase run was, he was absolutely nowhere for the whole year. Like I'm pretty sure he mm-hmm. even said that at one point he would be lucky to make the chase. So, you know, as excited I was for Tony, man, Edwards, he was he was by far the best car that year. He just didn't he didn't do anything wrong. He just he literally just lost on a tiebreaker. So I don't know. I guess I would probably give it a solid 95 out of a hundred.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, on that point, um I don't know. I, I feel like the original Chase format uh into the twenty 20- uh, uh, 11 points shift to the single point per position thing. I think that set up a okay mm-hmm. way to to crown a champion rather than just forcing a game seven moment like we're doing right. every year. I
2: definitely like the old chase better than this one.
0: Yeah, but I mean, overall the, the 2011 season provided some great racing for me. I, I don't know where you guys stand on what I'm about to say because I've never discussed it with either one of you. But one thing that I've been saying since it happened in those two years was I freaking love tandem racing. Being able to experience that life. I went to three of those races at Talladega. Oh, my God. That was some of the most exciting racing that I've ever seen in my life. I mean, what do you guys feel about about tandem racing?
2: I guess I'll go. I'll say that it was really exciting, especially at the finishes, because you can have guys that were – paired up they could come from you know 10 car lengths back on the last lap to win the race but then the other part of me missed sort of the the classic pack racing that we'd almost all of us had grown up on so i think i would have liked it a lot more if it wasn't taken away from the pack racing that i grew up on but if you look at it solely in its own light then yeah it was insane it was really fun to watch um I still wish they had it in the Xfinity and Trucks. Um, I think that what Tuff has right now is probably the sweet spot because you could race in a pack, but you could still hook up with a guy and push him. Obviously you can't do it for long nowadays because the cars are pretty much designed to overheat, but I I wish that I I don't want it like too extreme one way or the other, because if it was all tandem, I'd miss the pack race and it was all pack race I'd miss a tandem. So I think, if you got rid of the the bumper rules and Xfinity and trucks, then you'd have a perfect thing right now, because you could have a little bit of both.
1: Yeah. I'm uh, with Alex on this one, man. I love the tandem racing. I almost felt like it had more strategy than the uh, than the pack racing. I always right. felt like pack racing was kind of just a crapshoot um, as far mm-hmm. as avoiding the big mm-hmm. one. It, with, with the tandems, we didn't really see a whole lot of big wrecks like we see nowadays and in the past. Um, obviously, we still had quite a few big ones, but but it was never half the field taken out or, you know, a third of the field taken out. Right, uh, I guess. I I, guess. I'm, I'm with Alex. I was a huge fan of the tandem racing. Mm-hmm. I, I wish they would find a way to bring that one back. Yes,
2: the only gripe I had was that, like, people complain nowadays that, you know, if you're in a super speedway, you can't control your destiny and you got to depend on the lanes behind you. And it's like the tandem drafting, the only problem is, like, you pretty much, the car behind you pretty much dictated where you were going to finish. And that was the only thing that that I wish I could fix about it. If it wasn't for that, I think it would be the perfect way to race. It's just, it's got to be so tough if you're in a position to win the race. And, you know, it takes one little moment of getting separated you, you lose the race. It's almost like it, it kind of pins the guy in second place. Because if you don't stick to the guy and push him, then you're not going to win the race. And it's like, it's so it's so difficult oh. almost in that aspect that if you're the pusher, you know that if you don't push him until 1,000 feet before the start-finish line, you're going to have no chance whatsoever. And it almost, it puts your hands behind your back because it, it makes you have to, you're not able to really, you're not able to really make the move yourself unless you're the only, unless you're that far ahead of everybody else where you won't get caught.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, that doesn't really matter at first because they were able to talk to each other. So they had, you know, those big crazy potentiometers that would take you from one channel to the next where they could talk to other drivers. And I wish NASCAR hadn't outlawed that because that was crazy. But also, I mean, looking at it from a fan's perspective, you can't sit here and tell me race after race, year after year, that you don't like this race because it didn't have enough lead changes. It didn't have enough cars on the lead lap or, you know, the winner was always, you know, 15 seconds in front of second place. Cause tandem racing eliminated everything that I just said by having the most lead changes, the most passing period. Um, and, and always having really, really close finishes and we didn't tear up cars. So it was better for the owners. And it was just so exciting because there was more strategy to it, um, because you couldn't just sit in the back all day. You had to fight for your position. You had to rely on someone else to fight for that position with you.
2: But that created... was my gripe. I just wish that drivers were able to make more decisions on their own accord. Because if you're the whole way I've grown up with racing is that you know you're able to race for yourself, and it's like I don't, I couldn't imagine say you race a go kart or a late model or whatever and your your whole thought when your whole thoughts are on what the person behind you is doing and not what you're trying to do to win the race yourself, that's when it's sort of it crosses a line to where it's like I it makes it almost it, it changes the mentality, if that makes sense. I'm not saying I dislike strategy. I like strategy. I just don't know if I like the strategy of having to rely 100 percent on another car if that makes any sense
0: well yeah well i think i don't know colton maybe you can add to what i'm about to say but um we see that right now with team orders for pitting with between chevy
2: toyota and ford at the plate races yeah industry, that's never so. going away i mean that, that so. happens anytime because you gotta you got pit a pitting in group
1: sand though um the pitting in a group is i mean i think that's a whole other can of worms is you know because ford and chevy will sit them down and say hey if you guys don't work together Oh, we, there's there's going to be some sort of consequence, yeah, I, don't like that consequence. <laughs> I don't like that either um but to your point Nate I mean the, the whole second car dictating your race I mean we saw it multiple times you know what if that second car has an issue or gets wrecked out you No, know, you still got to figure out someone to work with um and it was, right, it was and kind it's... of a I want to say like a, a team kind of thing but you definitely had to have teamwork in there and we saw a I mean, random combinations. You know, the Phoenix racing car pairing up with Ed Keselowski and turning him in the triable. Um didn't, We saw Jeff yeah. Gordon pairing up with Trevor Bain, you know, trying to work with him in the duels in the 500.
0: Denny Hamlin and Ryan Newman. Yeah, I mean, race.
1: they've we, always sort of
2: been there.
1: Yeah, if you thought someone was fast, you worked with them. It didn't matter if they were Ford, Chevy. It didn't matter if they were selling hot dogs up in the stands. Well, you, yeah, you, you know, like like the, the fact runner.
2: that. I wish that they could apply that same mentality to the pack racing today. of well Your friends are where you find them, not just your friends or whether or not they have a bow tie in the front of the car or not.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I've listened to the Dale
0: Jr. download for a while, and I, I remember episode where they had Tony Stewart on, and they were talking okay. about always finding each other in practice and always finding each other in the race. And never on the same team, not once um I, I don't know probably it's too many too many executives involved in racing now um, which just naturally progresses when a sport becomes uh so big that it becomes corporate
1: yeah yeah and i was actually just about to bring that up you know my last point was you know stewart even said on the Dale, Dale jr download that it didn't matter where jr was going if he was going high low or if he was going to the concession stand he was going to be right behind him ordering the same thing you know that, that's kind of what i miss about that kind of racing.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think that there's. I mean, there's no nothing blocking that from actually happening. I don't. I don't know how NASCAR could police, um, you know, these team orders from happening. It's something that you see in Formula One and stuff like that. We know it's happening right now. I, I don't know how they get rid of it, but there's nothing stopping someone from doing it. I mean, we see guys like Hamlin go out there and and try to make moves, no matter who's in front of them.
2: Right. I like that. I think that the drivers that are more willing to work with whoever's around them are probably going to have more success than the drivers that are just bound to working with their teammates or manufacturer.
0: right. So, I mean, we've talked about 2011 and 2001 and and how, you know, 2021, it's kind of in that same vein because it's got the one at the end. Um, They've got the best season ever slogan. Um, We're hoping that it's going to be the best season ever, but, you know, I I think we all – we all can realistically say that someone could just pop off six or seven wins and, and make it boring because they dominate whether or not um, you think um, that something's boring based off of someone dominating um, is, is just your opinion uh, because there's plenty of races that we see where uh, a leader has been 15 seconds out and the racing for a second back is, Amazing, and you can look at the championship the same way, yeah. So, I guess moving on, um, we got a race, uh, in Phoenix this weekend, um, and it's going to be the Xfinity series accompanying the Cup Series, the truck series off, uh, again, uh, they'll be coming back in Atlanta. Uh, but you know, something interesting is that, uh, Colton and Nathan were kind of connected a little bit these past two weeks, uh by uh, a friend of the podcast um who we should be seeing uh sometime soon um and that is uh the 51 xfinity driver of jeremy clements you guys want to talk about that
1: yeah um i actually had the opportunity um through i actually got it through a gentleman named steve Keynes on twitter um and i had the opportunity to be on the deck lid of the 51 last week at vegas super cool opportunity got an autograph from jeremy and everything
2: i'll be on it this week at phoenix um Steve Carnes is probably one of the better uh, Twitter followers out there. If you're on Twitter on a semi-regular basis, he's always doing cool things like giveaways and sponsorships and all sorts of neat things. So I figured, okay, why well, you know, it, it, he's it's for a good cause. It doesn't hurt. So I, I put down a little bit of money and put my name on the car since I've never really done it before. So – and if you do it, it's a great thing because, as Colton found out, you can – be eligible for the giveaways and everything. And you can say you got a NASCAR ride. So I can tell my grandkids that I got to ride in NASCAR, just not the way you think it was.
0: Yeah, no, that's pretty badass. You guys are going to be uh, going a lot faster than I am, uh, being that, you know, Colton was on a mile and a half, going pretty fast. And, you know, Nathan Nathan's going to be riding on the deck lid as well, uh, hitting the gas to stop the brakes uh, out there in the desert. Uh, that's a really cool opportunity you guys uh, got to have, and I, uh, I'm gonna have to look into it. Uh, so, what are you guys looking forward to for Phoenix uh, as far as the Xfinity series on Saturday?
1: I, I'm gonna uh, go first. Um, yeah, go we first. didn't touch about this when we talked about the Xfinity cars, but my man Harrison Burton got absolutely dumped by Austin Cendrick. I mean, you saw it in the Xfinity race, Cedric, you know, HB pulled up in front of him. Cedric had a run on the high right. And Cendrick uh, gave him a tap, kind of got Harrison sideways. I mean, his his ass end was kicked out and then gave him another huge bump and dumped him into the grass. Um, So I'm, I'm not a fan of hitting a car where they're already sideways. And so I'm excited to see Harrison catch up to that. and uh maybe rough him up a little bit. I don't know. We've seen HB kind of get at Gragson last year and kind of show that he's, he's ready to hold his own. He's not going to deal with a whole lot.
2: Yeah, yeah it's and- interesting because I think he's a really – normally he's a very clean driver, so I, I honestly I side with him in most of the incidents that he's involved in just because he's usually not the aggressor. Um like with the Gragson thing, I'm pretty sure he was I yeah, wanna he say he was the one that like used Gregson. up Yeah. So I think that he's a he's a clean driver and then the fact that he usually doesn't um doesn't cause many problems. Makes me almost inclined that whenever incident happened, I usually am like okay, he probably didn't do anything there.
1: Yeah, and he almost gives me like Matt Kenseth vibes, and a yeah. like hero by day, villain by night kind of thing. Where he'll hold his own when he has to. He might rough someone up here and there, but he's not going to instigate a whole lot of stuff. Right. Yeah. He's almost like
2: he's like that. Part of that almost comes from his dad.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Hundred percent.
0: Yeah, they didn't call him the the, the mayor for nothing. Uh-huh. But well, when we talk about drivers like that, uh, you said hero by day, villain by night. I, I kind of see the opposite when I come to to Noah Gregson. Um, oh yeah, he's gonna do anything that he can on the racetrack to you, but but he's gonna whine about it later. We saw that at the Homestead deal when he was blaming David Starr for trying to stay on the lead track. Right. He's sort of a, a so, villain by day
2: and a hero by night.
0: <laughs> he, yeah, so. So I'm looking forward to to some headbutting um because we need that, especially especially if these guys are gonna be the future of the cup series. We really need we need some big personalities clashing, uh just like we used to have with, you know, Logano v. Stewart or Keslowski Gordon back in the day. So I I don't know. I'm looking forward to something like that. Um another another big thing that's going on is t- Ty Gibbs is going to be back in the 54. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, d- can this man go two for two? I mean, he is a uh, 100% win rate in the NASCAR National Series.
2: It's going to be tough. I think that as of now, it, you know, I, I could obviously pick Austin Cindric to win every week just based on who he is. But I feel like if he's going to go through somebody, I mean, Brandon Jones won there last year against Kyle Mm. Busch, and Harrison Burton seems to be a good driver on quote-unquote discipline tracks like, say, Martinsville or any shorter, flatter tracks, So I would not be surprised if all the Gibbs cars are up front, so I think that his competition is going to come from his own team.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Gibbs does. Um, I don't want to say he's racing at a a real track, but, I mean, with a road course, I mean, it's – almost a crapshoot, especially with the Daytona road course. You know, we saw guys sliding through the grass, seemed like everywhere. Um, So, you know, I feel like he had a lot more opportunity to get up to the front of the Daytona road course. But I mean, we know that he has an absolute ton of speed. Um, I don't know if you guys followed him in the lower series, but it seemed like every week we were talking about him winning somewhere. Um, So he's, he's shown that he can go up there and kind of fight with the big kids here and there in the lower series. Um, And especially now that he, Went out first try and just kicked absolute ass at the Daytona Road Course. Um, it'll be really yeah. interesting to see. I don't know if we're going to see him get a win, but I bet you we at least see him get a top ten.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. well, I think a lot of people are going to be looking. So you said that he would he was doing good in the lower series. Like you see him winning ARCA, and everybody's like, "Oh, well, that's just Gibbs money." And da 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 And they've always been Ty Gibbs doubters, but I mean, he made me a believer. The moves that he was making on a road course. Yeah, you have got people who've not raced on road courses most of their lives in the Xfinity series. Um, Mm -hmm. But he showed out and he showed out good. Um, If he can, if he can get a top 10, like you say, I I would not be surprised. I'm going to put him on a pedestal though, and say that he can probably get a top five because he's been great at ovals. Even places like Pocono and Arca would that are very, I guess, driver, Esque tracks that that you race the track more than you race the other drivers so I yeah think yeah kind of, super technical yeah. yeah so i think he'll be right at home uh at the diamond in the desert
1: and i heard ha- haven't heard that name in quite a while the diamond yeah, the Desert, either. man, that's a good one
0: i guess but with that being said uh we've got a 500 kilometer race on sunday this is the place that we saw uh, a great spring race uh last year a great fall race in 2019 but a kind of a stinker for the championship race last year are you guys looking forward to the cup race on Sunday
2: yeah yeah to some degree I mean I'm happy for 750 horsepower so and the fact that I've always liked the track as a whole um, yeah the race last year wasn't very good but I I'm I stick up for Phoenix so I hope that it'll live to expectations.
1: Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I mean, I like Phoenix. I like it more, especially after they did the reconfig with moving the, the start-finish line. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Elliot put on an absolute ass kick in there uh, in the fall. Um, so hopefully we don't see one dude just go out and completely dominate the race. I mean, even if we do, it's still a one-lane track. People are still going to have to move other people out of the way to kind of get around. Um, it, I think it'll be all right.
0: Yeah, well, I think the problem with the with the championship races, it was cloudy all day. Um, if we have a nice sunny, hot day, we should have a pretty good race. Uh, we got the PJ one down. I know that's a that's a buzzword that a lot of people don't like for some reason, but it's made the racing there better. So I think I think that it should be a good race. I don't know that we'll necessarily have someone in dominant fashion uh, go out and win like Denny Hamlin did in the fall, like the nine did last fall. Um, but I'd like to see more of a, more of a short track esque race, because it seems like Phoenix being kind of in between the short track and the intermediate, it races in lulls where sometimes it races like a short track and sometimes it doesn't. So I'm hoping for a wild race on Sunday. Cause you know, if we're
2: going to continue with this best season ever, then, uh, we we, we got to put some action on track. All right. So um, it looks like this week I have taken yet another L with picks. Um, Alex had Joey Logano. He finished ninth. I had Alex Bowman. He was running, I want to say, sixth for the majority of the day. He had, I don't know if it was a flat tire. He had something entering pit road that caused him to go drift way up the track. And he almost hit Anthony Alfredo and he missed the commitment line. And it was just a complete complete unraveling of the race so with that being said it looks like alex is going to have first choice for the third week in a row now
0: uh no it's just a second week in a row don't give me too much credit you won the first two weeks so uh but i am happy that we're finally tied uh 2v2 so going into the fifth race of the season we're gonna we're gonna have a tiebreaker essentially even though we've got 30 something races <laughs> left so i don't know um i guess the obvious pick would be to say um kevin harvick because that's just what everybody was was picking previously but he's been nowhere on the map this year hasn't really been um good at phoenix since they swapped the uh the start finish line from the front straightaway to where it is now after traditional turn two um i don't know I'm not going to go with Chase Elliott because I don't think he's going to show up because it's not a championship race. Um, I think I'm going to go a little bit out of the norm, and I'm going to say that Alex Bowman is going to muster up something. And and after that bad luck at Las Vegas, being at his home track, he's going to muster up something and take the win at Phoenix.
2: That's a great pick. Um, I've gambled quite a bit in the last few weeks, and it's bit me pretty hard. So I'm not not going to do any gambles this week. I'll probably take the safe route and go with someone like, say, Brad Keselowski, because he he was one of the better cars on the long run in the spring race last year. He he got spun early in the race, and he still wound up running top three most of the race, so it's good for him. And he probably had the quickest car. In the final stage of the championship race, but they had they had bad times getting on off pit road, and that sort of cost them valuable track position to Elliott. So I think I'm going to go with Keselowski this week.
0: Okay, well then i I guess we'll have to see who wins. Um,
2: hopefully, you don't have bad luck for a third week straight. Uh, it's it's actually been every week straight. Even even well, the I have won, like they still wrecked. They just wrecked less significant than yours did okay well let's see if if
0: you being uh your driver's bad luck streak continues then i wouldn't mind it because you know i'm 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 always gonna want to win uh, no matter what so
2: right
0: i'll take the two um wins that i have even though they're based on your bad luck and i'll run with it hopefully alex bowman can do me do good this week uh but we will see um but i think that about wraps up the show uh, Colton, it has been really fun to have you. We learned a lot about you. Um, had some pretty hot takes from from the three of us come through. Been a really good conversation, and I really appreciate you being on the show with us tonight.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you guys so much for letting me be on it. Um, I had a great time, and obviously I've, I've talked to Nate a whole bunch on Twitter, um, so he and I are kind of good friends. Alex, getting to know you. Um, I had a ton of fun tonight. Like you said, some hot takes were kind of going around. Um, but all in all, it, great time. Thank you so much for having me out here.
2: Yeah, and thank you very much for coming on. I And I'll say one thing before you leave is that if I ever go back to Wyoming again, uh, haven't been there since like 2017, but if I go back out there, I'm definitely going to have to take you up on the offer for the karting because nothing sounds more fun than karting in a parking lot.
1: Yeah, even – Get a plane ticket to Denver. This is to both of you. I'll go pick you up. We'll go spend some carts around. Y'all got a place to stay. We'll, we'll have a great time.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, we can could, we could figure something out, definitely. And uh, don't don't mm-hmm. be a stranger, Colton. Uh, uh, as good as it was tonight, we'll probably want to have you on uh, more often if uh, if you're down for that.
1: Yeah. I'd, I'd really appreciate it. Like I said, I had a great time. I don't expect any of the future times to be any different. Uh, if anything, our takes probably get a little bit hotter.
0: Well, I'm not going to disagree with you there. I've always been kind of a hard ass for a bunch of, of the opinions that I've had. So, uh, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll fight both you guys on on some takes if, if we go the opposite way.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah.
0: All right. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at FanFuelPodcast1. That is a capital F, capital F, and a capital P with the number one at the end. Uh, And you can now listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as always. Uh, Don't forget to uh, comment or tell us something on Twitter so that we can uh, feature you on a future episode, whether it's an idea or you can join us like Colton did tonight for a recording session. Um, All right. Have a good one. Bye.